Hello and welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary and your host for the Lead On Podcast. Every week we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership, uh, trying to bring uh, the best insights of scripture, uh, theology, uh, practical uh, leadership uh, theory to bear on the issue of leading churches and ministry organizations. Today I'd like to talk about what it means to lead from the future. What I mean by that is a leader must, of course, have a firm grasp on reality and present circumstances, but leaders must also have the capacity to understand the future and then the leadership discipline or the mission discipline to make the changes necessary in their organization to get them from where they are to where they need to be, leading from the future. I'd like to draw from my book, Seasons of a Leader's Life, in helping you understand this subject. When I wrote Seasons of a Leader's Life, I studied all of the uh, stories in the Gospels in which Peter was mentioned individually. And from those stories, I sought to discern the leadership principle Jesus was trying to teach in every encounter. And of course, there's parallel stories in the Gospels, and so some of them are combined. And uh, also, some of the stories are quite lengthy, as long as a chapter, or sometimes even longer. And so it was uh, challenging to lift out just the principle of what is Jesus in the overarching theme trying to communicate to Peter in this story or in this situation or through this dialogue. We come to Mark chapter 13, and Jesus is with his disciples when he uh, makes a very uh, audacious, what may have seemed like a implausible or even a ridiculous statement, uh, when they were leaving the temple complex, Jesus looked around and pointed to his pointed uh, to his disciples and said, "Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down." Now, I tried to imagine what those men must have thought when Jesus said this. I mean, when you look at the temple, some of the stones are as big as boxcars that are lift that were lifted into place to build the temple. And beyond the physical, uh, just the uh, magnificence of the building, the sacred stability and the longevity of the temple must have made this claim from Jesus sound, as I've said, either audacious or implausible or, or even ridiculous. I mean, could Jesus really mean that sometime in the future uh, the temple was going to be torn down? Well, yes, he did. And then he made another statement that was uh, very similar, or no, excuse me, that was, that was connected, and he said something about uh, that he also, uh, they, they, that he would return someday, uh, and that that, that that would be the culmination of all that he was describing in the temple being destroyed. Now, um, it's one thing to go down the path of understanding Mark chapter 13 and consider the, uh, the physical destruction of the temple, which of course happened in AD 70, and the cataclysmic events associated with Jesus' second coming, and trying to sort out all those issues. You know, it's a fascinating study of first century history combined with still yet to come eschatology. And quite honestly, that whole doctrinal, biblical investigation needs to be left for another day. I'm trying to approach this, this dialogue that Jesus had from a leadership perspective. When Jesus said, someday the temple's going to be torn down, and someday I'm going to return, Jesus was teaching his disciples, the, and especially he was teaching Peter, 
the importance of leading or making his leadership decisions based on future realities. In other words, while his current reality was the temple, the temple was going to be destroyed. And while his current reality was Jesus in his presence, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection would ultimately lead to not only his ascension, but his second coming. And that future event needed to be the guiding event in Peter's leadership lifestyle and leadership choices, not the temple that he saw every day. Think how difficult this must have been for Peter to look at the magnificence of the temple, to see its, uh, its imposing physical uh, nature plus its spiritual stability, its longevity. Peter must have looked at that and thought, this will last forever. But Jesus was saying, no, it won't. It's all going to come tumbling down, and I'm going to replace it with a kingdom that rests on my resurrected and ascended and uh, power evidenced by the reality that I will someday return again. Now, leaders always struggle with the tension of leading from the present and leading in light of future realities. It's, it's important, first of all, of course, to understand that the times we're living in and the present realities we're facing. Um, sometimes people can make the mistake of longing for better days or uh, wishing that they had, a, had been alive at another time or hoping for a simpler season, but really none of that's a reality. Uh, God's placed us in the time of our lives that we have to lead, and we have to understand the times we're in. And we have to understand not only the times we're in, but the times that are coming and how to get people moved toward them. I think about when I was a church planter. That was back in the 1980s. And in those days, it was a common phrase for church planters to say, uh, it's not the 1950s anymore, and we need to make some real changes. And so in the 1980s, uh, we, in, we, we tried to reinvent the forms of church for our generation. Uh, we changed the, the format of worship services. We changed the style of songs and singing. We changed the, uh, the, the kind of music that was played or performed in a worship service. Uh, we changed the expectations of programming and significantly simplified them. Uh, a lot of change was brought to bear in the 1980s to try to change the church from its institutional uh, heyday of the 1950s into a more uh, uh, relevant uh, ministry organization. Well, we're now 30 years from the 1980s. And so if a church is saying it's not the 1950s anymore, that church is woefully out of date. But if a church is still trying to live in the 1980s, it's also out of date. And so it's important to recognize that times change and, it's that, and that leaders have to have the discipline to continually update churches and ministry organization. We have to keep up to date with contemporary experience. We have to implement new methods and, uh, and, new, and new, uh, new options or new possibilities of what can be done in ministry settings. Now, this is a difficult thing to do because of what I sometimes call a cycle of success that ties ministry organizations to their present or to their past. It works like this. Um, a ministry organization or a church implements a new method and enjoys some success. Uh, soon, however, the, the, the methods are no longer new, but the success is still lingering, so preserving those old methods is still comfortable and somewhat effective. 
However, this is a temptation that is a deadening that has a deadening effect on ministry organizations and churches because when you're tempted to continue to repeat what you've always done because it provides some success but in reality a diminishing level of success, you're actually tying yourself to the past rather than to the future. Resisting this temptation is a significant leadership challenge. We have to take the initiative to periodically reinvent our ministries by incorporating changing methodologies that are required for continued effectiveness. It is so easy to, do some, to, to implement a method, enjoy success, enjoy a diminished amount of success as time goes by, but still some success. It's so tempting to hold on to that old methodology far too long and to uh, have a diminishing level of success rather than taking the risk to move on to new levels of effectiveness. Now, uh, sometimes uh, I've said it this way, past or present success is the prime inhibitor of change and of future success. You know, it's hard to convince people to fix uh, what's not broken. Uh, it, it, religious communities, particularly churches and organizations, uh, we often find ourselves caught up in emotional attachments to people and to places and to programs. Um, it's so difficult to get a, a ministry organization or a church to move from one location to another or to transition from one leader to another or to uh, move from one program to another. Uh, it's been jokingly said that the, hard, the, the second hardest thing to do in a Baptist church is to start a new program. And the hardest thing to do in a Baptist church is to uh, kill an old program. And really, there's something true about that. It's so hard to get people to disengage from what once worked or what may even be working in a small way still and move on to a new or fresh approach in ministry. It's a primary responsibility, however, of ministry leaders to make sure that this happens. Leaders must always have one eye on the present, yes, but then also one eye always on the future, looking out over the horizon to see what adjustments or changes need to be made. You know, when, Peter, when Jesus told Peter the temple was going to be destroyed, uh, imagine how he must have thought, received that news. For, first, he was probably shocked. What, what do you mean that the temple's going to be destroyed? And then perhaps some musing. Well, th this is Jesus. It, it, it could happen. In fact, I, I guess it will happen, but how will that happen? And finally, realization, if this does happen or when this does happen, this is going to change everything. This is going to conclusively end centuries-old ways of doing things in worship services and in worship practices. And the gravity of that entire situation must have been unnerving for Peter as he realized the full impact of what was going to happen. But it wasn't just the end of the temple that was being predicted. Jesus was also saying, and there's coming uh, a, a new way of relating to me because uh, like this temple, I'm going to be raised up and, and, I'm, going to be, and I'm going to come back and I, I'm going to be among you. And think about what Peter must have heard, thought when he heard those kinds of predictions as well. So Peter was challenged to lead, not clinging to the past, but pressing on into the future. Now, Peter had a remarkable advantage. He had Jesus there to personally explain things to him and to directly show him what uh, needed to be done. And there's just no doubt that the importance of this information and its application to future ministry was made very clear to Peter by Jesus. 
but we have a, a, a more of a struggle sometimes, and, and I certainly feel that struggle sometimes of trying to understand the future, trying to predict the future, trying to live in the future. Well, uh, let me ex- help you understand that some of those phrases I've just used really are not only impossible, I, I think they're kind of an inappropriate way of understanding our responsibility. I don't think leaders are responsible to predict the future. It's impossible to predict the future. Uh, no one can do that, not even the best leader. So um, I want you to release yourself from the pressure of feeling like you have to predict the future before you can lead a church or ministry organization into the future. Uh, it, it, it's better to, I think, uh, use the phrase anticipate the future. Now, it's much uh, easier to do that. Uh, anticipating the future means that you're responsible to understand the times you live in, the future you're moving toward, the difference between now and then and what that's going to be like, and how to lead in the light of that present information or that uh, important information. So the question is not, can you predict the future? The question is, can you improve your capacity to anticipate the future by more accurately understanding current events and and by more accurately understanding the future as it is anticipated to unfold in your ministry setting. In other words, how can you understand the times? How can you understand the times you live in, and how can you understand the times that are coming in the future? And how can you lead in light of the ultimate reality of Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, and most importantly, Jesus' return someday? So how can you, as a leader, better anticipate the future? Let me give you five suggestions. First, discover what the Bible says about the future. The Bible describes the erosion of good and the rise of evil as the world's future trajectory. Now, this might seem uh, depressing or demoralizing. It's not either. It's simply reality. The Bible is very clear. Our world is disintegrating around us. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is going wrong or that everything is as bad as it could be, but it does mean that the trajectory the world will be on from now into the future and to the end of time is on a trajectory of decay and destruction, of difficulty and turmoil. Now, that is the future that we must understand is coming and we must make decisions against the backdrop of that of that uh, biblical revelation about the future. But the Bible also reveals something else about the future, and that is it promises the church will survive the worst the world throws at it. Uh, biblical prophecies, yes, they describe diminished fear of God and increased lawlessness as time passes, but they also describe the church continuing to thrive in every context, in every culture, uh, the, the Bible portrays the church as ultimately being successful with people from every nation, tribe, people, language, gathering at the throne of eternity, worshiping God forever. And so while the world, the, the Bible says the future of the world is going to become more and more difficult as time passes, the church, on the other hand, is going to have a bright and, and, uh, a bright and continued future uh, before God. So what does this mean for us as ministry leaders? Well, it means that we have to be very realistic about the world we're living in. 
the world is going to continue to come unraveled around us. Uh, morality is going to continue to, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to be rejected. Uh, wars are going to continue to be fought. Uh, human need is going to continue to escalate. All of these things are going to be around us, and we have to recognize the reality of these things and not be discouraged when they happen. But on the other hand, the church is going to persevere. The church is eternal. The church is forever. The church is going to make it. And so that gives us great hope that the time we invest in church leadership and in the time we invest in ministry leadership to serve the church most directly is time well spent as we move into the future. So how can you anticipate the future? Number one, discover what the Bible says about the future, both the bad and the good. And then second, learn what the Bible says about present world conditions and how they relate to future events. The Bible talks a lot about what's happening. The Bible talks a lot about what might happen in the future in terms of apostasy, immorality, adultery, uh, um, and other kinds of behaviors. Uh, in the Bible, a lot of these things are described as coming in the future. However, we're now 2,000 years after the writing of the New Testament particularly, and we can look at those verses and see that what was predicted for the future is now the reality we're living. And so you can see that the Bible speaks of our reality today because it speaks about our present world conditions oftentimes when it speaks in the Bible about future world events. And so this gives us a clearer understanding about the times we're living in now because we understand that the Bible has been talking about these times for generations. Okay, a third uh, way that you can anticipate the future is to learn what insightful people are predicting about the future. Now, futurists study trends. Uh, they study trends in disparate fields and try to merge that information to postulate uh, or to predict or, to, uh, or to, uh, to articulate coming realities. Now, uh, this is a good discipline that wise and careful and insightful people are practicing, but beware of people who claim they can predict the future. So take seriously people who studiously anticipate the future, not who predict the future. The difference is significant. A person who anticipates the future uh, has uh, humility and wisdom. A person who predicts the future uh, smacks of arrogance. And so we have to beware of the humanistic tendency uh, to believe that humans can fully understand or fully predict or fully explain the future. But at the same time, we have to be wise and say, yes, there are people who are studying disparate fields of economics, politics, uh, law, population, food uh, delivery, food service, all these kinds of disciplines that go together to predict the kind of world we're going to live in. Wise people are pulling those, that information together, and we need to be willing to learn from them. A fourth way you can anticipate the future is consider the insights of mature Christian leaders who have some perspective that perhaps younger leaders don't yet have. Older leaders who've been doing the work for 30, 40, 50 years uh, may struggle from time to time with being able to release the past and move into the future. But one of their great strengths is that they're able to help us understand from a historical perspective the difference between something that is just a fad that needs to be ignored or a trend that needs to be embraced. Um, I've been at this long enough now that when some things come along, I think, wow, I, I saw that in the 70s or I saw that in the 90s. Uh, you know, I recognize that this is just a cyclical fad that comes and goes. But then I'm also, I've been leading long enough that I can recognize trends, which are different than fads. Trends are those movements that come in culture that cause you to say, you know, 
This is not a fad. This is going to change the culture. And we have to learn how to interface with this if we're going to be effective moving forward into the future. So consider the insights of mature leaders. Don't be afraid to ask people who've been at the work longer than you have what they think and what they see and why they think it and why they see it. Help them to work with you to discern the difference between a fad and a trend and to understand that fads come and go and they're cyclical in, in, in form, but trends are not. Trends really help us to understand that things are changing and that we have to get in step or get in the wave of what's coming unless we're going to be left behind. And then finally, ask God for insight about the future. You know, as a leader, I, I recognize that I can do these first four things. I can discover what the Bible says and about the future. I, I can learn what the Bible says about the future, meaning that it was describing what is now my present reality. I can, I can study what insightful people are saying or writing about the future and look at how they're bringing together disparate fields of inquiry to create these synthesized conclusions. I can do all that. I can have godly counselors among mature Christians who can help me sort out the difference between fads and trends and work through those kinds of issues. But quite honestly, uh, in spite of working to do all of that, and believe me, I do work on all of those issues, I still find myself puzzled about what the future holds and how to lead my organization forward. And so it's always appropriate to ask God for insight about the future, to pray and say, God, what's coming and what do you want me to do about it? It's appropriate to ask God to give you spiritual promptings or flashes of insight from his word to help you to be discerning about information that you gain from observing others or being in dialogue with others. Uh, God knows that your leadership demands require decisions about the future, and he's not playing cat and mouse. He's not trying to frustrate or trick you. God wants to reveal to you how to lead your organization forward, and so pray and ask him what to do. And as he gives impulses and direction and movements and promptings, go, uh, go after those, follow those uh, as God leads you into the future. You know, I was uh, talking with a physician once, and he said, uh, that's why they call it practicing medicine. He said, we don't always know what we're doing. We're always trying to get better. And then he said, if people in my practice knew how often I was guessing about what really needed to be done, they would be far less confident in me as a physician. He said, it's all about bringing together all the information you have, all the possibilities of what might be, uh, what might can happen in the future, and then in his case as a Christian, praying and asking God and then making the best decisions possible. Well, I'd apply the same thing to my role as a seminary president or your role as a pastor or other spiritual leader. You know, we, we do all the work that we can to try to understand the present, the future, to understand what people are saying to us and to understand uh, what that means both from talking to futurists and talking to wise counselors. But ultimately, every one of us finds ourselves on our knees praying and saying, God, help me to know what to do and how to get us into the future. Help me to understand what's coming that I don't even know about. <clears throat> Help me to understand the possibilities that I may not even uh, realize. Help me to understand the obstacles that are out there and how you want me to go around those. God, help me to find a way to get my organization or my church into the future. You know, I went through this magnificent and, and uh, amazing uh, transition here at Gateway Seminary. Uh, you know, we moved a seminary 400 miles, changed our identity, uh, redeveloped our strategy, uh, and moved into a future that really is an amazing experience with God. 
There were so many aspects of that, however, that I really couldn't have predicted. I simply, at a point in time, had to finally say, God, I know this is the future you have for us. I see the general trajectory of how you want to get us there, but I don't see all the details, and I don't know how you're going to work it all out, but I'm going forward trusting you. And isn't that something of the essence of faith? Isn't it something of the essence of faith to have the capacity to trust God, to move you through circumstances and situations that you can't see or understand, and to get you to the place where God wants you to be in the future. Uh, you know, Peter heard Jesus say the temple will be destroyed, but there'll be a raising up, and that'll be of my life. And the conflation of those two ideas caused Peter to understand, Peter to understand that while he had to understand and appreciate the present, he had to lead based on future realities. So as you develop your leadership perspective, I want you to be aware of current events and, yes, the signs of the times in which you live. But I also want you to be focused on future ministry opportunities and future ministry possibilities. I want you to focus on future realities and what the Bible says not only about what's happening in our world today, but about what's going to happen in our world in the future. And I want you to build your life and ministry based on that awareness. It's important to understand the present, but it's more important for leaders to understand future realities, learn to anticipate what is just over the horizon, and know how to plan uh, so that your church or ministry organization can move uh, purposefully and boldly into the future. The best leaders are not always playing catch-up. The best leaders are ahead of the curve, anticipating the future and making bold and courageous decisions to get their organization or their church moving toward the future and its realities. That takes faith. It takes confidence in God. It takes a willingness to risk. It's about leading from the future. So understand the present, but lead from the future. And as you do so, lead on.